This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hi, folks. Welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood. I'm Scott Malcolm, and we're here unpacking the money stuff. Now, it's been a little while since we've jumped down the mortgage or the borrowing train, and so I've asked a buddy of mine, Sean Rowe, to uh, join me today on the podcast to talk a little bit about the current mortgage market, a little bit around what's happening with regards to some changes, and um, yeah, just really unpack what's happening when you go out to borrow money to buy your first property or maybe to refinance to buy an investment property. So welcome along, Sean. How are you going? G'day, Scott. Thanks for having me. You, you've just come back from Japan, haven't you? Like you were over in Japan for the Olympics. So I guess a bit of background, Sean's a, an Olympian and also now a, a mortgage broker. So how was it? Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I'm half Japanese uh, and when I retired and realized that the 2020 Olympics was meant to be held in Japan, I wanted to be in a position to work for the Olympic Committee in some capacity uh, and spent a lot of time angling and trying to figure out what that role particularly was. Fortunately, there was a position that kind of came up which was getting past uh, Olympians or people that have been involved in sport uh, as a volunteer role to be part of a team called the Olympian Services Team. We were pretty much a concierge service. So athletes would just come to us, you know, if there's any issues that they did have and they didn't want to speak to their team team leader or their coaches, they could come to us and we would try and get the issue sorted. Now, Sean, I've been asking all my guests about an early happy money memory. Have you got an early money memory that, uh, that springs to mind? Uh, yeah, so I do. So the first one that kind of came to mind was definitely, I guess, being introduced to banking and that was through CBA. I remember being a primary school kid and getting introduced to the Dolomite Club uh, and getting set up your first bank accounts. But I don't know if I should chalk that up as a happy memory, uh, but it was kind of my first memory of a bank. But if you if you think about first money memory i definitely would suggest the tooth fairy i, I definitely yeah. remember losing my tooth leaving it under the pillow and then the next morning the tooth fairy leaving a bit of cash and back in my days it was just you know loose change but um i've seen on social media of um some of my friends uh social media posts and I've, i see notes now ten dollars or fifteen dollars being slipped under the uh by t- the tooth fairy Wowzers. so even the tooth even the tooth fairies are uh, keeping up with inflation, I, I believe. Yeah, look, inflation is a thing. So, tooth fairy, if you're listening, um, keep that in mind, all right? We've got uh, parents who are trying to pay mortgages these days. And, um, Sean, what, what are you seeing at the moment? Like, obviously, interest rates are ridiculously low. You focus in on millennials and helping people get into the property market for the first time. What are you seeing? What are some of the themes that are out there at the moment? Uh, it's, a, it's a hot property market. Money's cheap. If you, you are, do have property or you do have a mortgage that has a big fat four or a big fat three in the front of it, uh, it's not a good rate anymore. I mean, when I entered the mortgage brokering industry, you know, four and a half percent was a, a fantastic rate, but now mm-hmm. we've dipped under twos, which is incredible. Will it go much lower than this? I don't 
think so. But I mean, if I had a crystal ball four years ago, I'd be in a yeah, different position now, I, I, w- I would assume. When it comes to lending, obviously there's so many hurdles you've got to get through. I'm going to keep up with the sporting puns today. Um, but there's so many hurdles yeah. you've got to jump over to get there. But um, what are some of the blocks or the barriers that might, might get in the way for people at the moment? Yeah, uh, a lot of first home buyers, the biggest issue is saving that deposit. A lot of them will you know, have, have enough. Uh, and by the time they kind of get the application process in place or, you know, go through the whole application process, where they originally were looking, they might have been now priced out of the market and needing to push out or adjust or pivot and decide, you know, maybe not to go for, for that particular style of property or, you know, go for a smaller property. Uh, so it is challenging for first home buyers. I mean, a lot of the questions that I get from first home buyers is, should we wait? Should we save? I say to the clients, I go, well, if you save or you wait, potentially you're going to need to push out even further because the, the market is so hot right now. So if you can scrounge around and get the deposit or some um, some additional funds, uh, let's try and proceed ahead. Well, there are options where you can uh, factor in lenders mortgage insurance and just get into the market, factor that in as a cost. And hopefully by the time you purchase that property in that um, suburb, it's, you know, appreciated that, you know, you at all, all, all even out. I guess on that interest rate front as well, how quickly do you think they're going to go up? I mean, the Reserve Bank's made an announcement saying, hey, we'll, we'll give it a couple more years, but we've seen rates go up in New Zealand, US, they're starting to move as well. What's your feel on, on that at the moment? Yeah, I think it's going to start to move. I think maybe in two years, it'll start to move up. Already, some of the fixed rates that are getting updated with all the lenders are slightly higher than what they were six to 12 months ago. By just those fixed rates adjusting slightly, I get the impression that most likely the, the, the rates will increase. Um, so if you did lock into an interest uh, fixed rate, maybe two, three, you fixed maybe six to 12 months ago, I just expect after that uh, fixed rate period to end, that those rates might be a lot higher than what we are currently seeing at the, at the moment. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And I guess with a, a rate rise possible or possibility down the track, what should people do if they're in the market already? What's your suggestion for people at the moment? I mean, it, it really depends on the person's situation and their priorities. I think you really got to figure out what's really important to you. You know, a, a good mortgage broker should be able to uh, get those answers out of you. A lot of time, uh, clients that I speak to, they're a little bit unsure. You know, they see a ridiculously cheap fixed rate. But when you probe and ask questions about why, how they like to manage and, and have their money, they might drop in a subtle clue and say, oh, we'd like to make additional re- repayments. And so you just, it's, uh, as a good mortgage broker, uh, one of our things that we need to do is just educate the client and say, okay, great. If one of the things is that you like uh, additional repayments as your number one priority, maybe a fixed rate or a 100% fixed rate isn't the right product for you because you're going to be capped with how much you can pay into the fixed rate loan uh, in every calendar year. So maybe uh, we can do part fixed and part variable so you get the uh, best of both worlds. So it's just about probing, asking the right questions to those particular clients, trying to drum out what they're trying to get out of a home loan product uh, and then tailoring the solution once you get those answers. 
Mm. People often say, oh, should we go and see a mortgage broker or should we just go to our bank? And um, often say to people, I guess, having a broker who's on your team just to give some insights and actually get a, a deeper understanding as opposed to just going to the, the bank who, again, like your uh, story about the, the Com- Commonwealth Bank and the Dolomite account, might be more transactional in their, uh, in their approach uh, at the end of the day. And I guess on that front, things are happening with APRA at the moment as well. So I guess the market's been been hot. People have been borrowing money again. Obviously, yeah, growth assets we're seeing go, go, go. What what have APRA been saying? Because they made a few announcements recently, haven't they, around their concerns around where the, the markets are going? Yeah, so what I've noticed uh, was some of these announcements about uh, assessment rates for serviceability. What some clients may not know as a mortgage broker, what we do is we need to assess your serviceability levels uh, for that particular debt that you're going to embark upon. Now, whatever the interest rate is offered at the moment isn't what the assessment rate is. Usually they put a 2.5% buffer on it uh, and things like that to make sure that if interest rates do increase, uh, you feel comfortable or you should be comfortable in servicing that particular loan if it were to increase from you know, 2% and went up to 3 or 4%. Uh, the, the latest is most of these lenders are passing on new assessment rates, so they're going to be assessed slightly higher. So, I mean, if you're thinking about borrowing money uh, moving forward, uh, it will be a new assessment rate, so you need to make sure that you, you're able to service that particular debt at the new assessment rates. Some lenders are being particular with current loan applications in terms of how they're going. Uh, whether they're going to pass it on and, and change the assessment rate, but each lender is doing it slightly differently. As a good mortgage broker, you know, we have access to many lenders, so we need to be above on top of all of these kind of changes for each individual lender. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's often a, a bit of a misconception, isn't it? When um, people go and get their pre-assessment done, they think, right, okay, the deal's done, awesome, we're, we're in. But it's not actually until you've you've exchange and you've actually got the the property lined up and you, you've gone through that next um another hurdle that you've got to cross that the banks actually reassess it at that stage isn't it correct you do a lot of stuff with millennials so people in their 30s and, and 40s i guess i still get to hopefully pass in uh, in that uh that range but um it's really expensive often. I, I call it the accumulation phase. So often people are having kids or, or just starting out, as say, saving deposits, all those sort of things. These large mortgages, like I've, I've seen people these days, like they're borrowing a million bucks and more even potentially sometimes. And so although they've got low interest rates at the moment, how do you help them sort of find a extra cash at the end of the day? Or um, what are your tips around some of those sort of things that people should be thinking about? Yeah, I, I think what most customers don't realise as part of your mortgage assessment is your monthly living expenses. I mean, that was introduced probably about two or three years ago. And previously, you used to not really, it was just kind of self-declared by the mortgage broker or it was just a question that was asked. Uh, now, as mortgage brokers, we literally have to go through uh, all your bank statements and assess your monthly living expenses in terms of your outgoings. Uh, and most customers actually don't know what they spend their money on. I guess a good rule of thumb is if you're serious about borrowing money and, you know, spend three months going through your statements and just figuring out where the money actually is going. Uh, and then you'll get a really good grasp of what you're spending your money on. I'm sure there's great tools online or if you do have a mortgage broker that has uh, some tools in place that allows you to uh, allows them to categorize your monthly uh, living expenses and kind of give that information back to you 
It might give you some tools in terms of what can be done to minimize some of those expenses. Obviously, there's going to be some things that you can immediately get rid of. I mean, you don't need five subscription TV programs. I mean, I've signed up to about six of them now just because we were in lockdown and, you know, each platform has different kind of niches. I mean, when you go on a borrow, get rid of all of those kind of subscriptions or any additional expenditure that you don't need. Uber Eats is a huge one or Deliveroo. Like lenders do look at all of this uh, when you go to borrow. So just pull back on it. A simple way is just go back to a cash model. Just withdraw cash. If you spend it and it's gone, then you can't spend it on your card. You know, your card is super easy to start tapping away and kind of online spending. Mm -hmm. If you've got a limited budget with um, the amount of money that you can spend during the week and it's cash, it's very hard. The psychology of parting with your cash to pay for something, Mm. there's something about it. Like we just, it's hard. So, so true. And it's actually, yeah, touching that whole uh, cold, hard-earned cash is often um, a, a big one. As you say, we, we tap, swipe and insert our cards and, and even now online, you just Apple Pay stuff and you don't even really you know, grasp that, that money's actually gone somewhere. And so banks are so much more forensic now. I guess the Royal, Royal Commission into Banking and Financial Services was, was a part of that because um, lending practices, they went, nope, you've got to actually look at this stuff more. And so, look, is three months enough? Like if people have had a bit of a, a rough ride, is, is sort of a, a three-month period of, of tidying up their spendings enough to sort of help with the bank process and, and go through that? Yeah, definitely. I think if you can tidy it up and, you know, see some clear um, – progress over three months, you might be able to mitigate some of the other expenses that you uh, previously used to have and go back to the lender. And like I said, a good broker will be able to explain that to the lender and said, hey, you know, we spoke to these clients and their monthly living expenses were significantly high. We came up with these action plans to reduce the monthly living expenses. Now they're looking like this. But, and we believe that the, the client is a good fit to, to borrow this money because, you know, in three months, you're behaviors do change and trust me once you get a home loan uh you will get rid of some some expenses to make sure you pay your repayments back mm. i loved your tip before around making sure that your your repayments and you can afford it at a higher rate as well because again we've never seen rates this low as you were saying before there's ones and twos um on interest rates at the moment in in the market and so you really need to be planning for that sort of four or even i, I mostly say to clients look can you repay it still at five percent just to sort of look at that longer term average again but sean how hard is it at the moment for for pre-approvals for first homeowners like i mean look you, you see news articles all the time it's it's flashed up on the the, the nightly news first homeowners struggling to get into the market and, and things like that how hard is it to get a, a pre-approval once you've again got your, your spending sorted you got your deposit together uh, it is challenging uh, I mean when you look at so at the moment lending this uh, the assessment time for each lender differs depending on what promotions that lender has and you know uh, how much volumes going into that particular lender uh, some lenders can balloon out to sometimes 30 business days or even longer just to be um, uh, initially assessed um, and it can be challenging. When you look at it and think about it from a, the, a bank's perspective, the priority would be any urgent purchases with uh, quick settlements that are happening. So if that their applications that come up, they're going to focus on that first uh, and then maybe uh, the refinance will kind of come in after that. There's no urgency for a refinance. They've already got the debt already. So, that you know, lenders are comfortable to kind of put them towards the backbender. And then unfortunately, the first home buyer, 
they're right at the bottom. So what happens mm. generally is pre-approvals are like right at the bottom of the list. And what's happening a lot at the moment is most lenders are actually not fully assessing pre-approvals and they're doing what is called an approval in principle. And that's whereby that they'll just gather the information that's been submitted. So like income, liabilities and things like that, make an assessment based off the computer algorithm uh, and just push out an indicative approval or an approval in principle, which isn't a fully assessed pre-approval. Now, sometimes I'm reluctant to kind of go through that process because it just doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of like just doing a control F print screen of a pre-approval and just changing the name or whatever. So as a, as a good mortgage broker, I mean, we essentially these days need to do a fully assessed approval for our clients to get the application through. So if you've got a good broker that has a really good success rate in terms of uh, good pre-approvals and lodgements and settlements and things like that, they're kind of doing what the bank assessors used to do back in the day that they can give you some really sound advice about getting being confident about getting those uh, pre-approvals across the line. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And look, we do talk about this, the system. So again, we're born into this financial system and uh, one part of that is obviously the mortgage market that we're talking about now. And so... Why do you think, like, have you got an opinion or a view on why, I guess, first home buyers are at the bottom of the, the pecking order, so to speak? I uh, know. It is challenging. I mean, there's so many government incentives at the moment with first home buyers grants, stamp duty concessions, first home builders grant. And then I think there's also the first home deposit scheme. So there's all these schemes being pushed out to the first home buyers. But I mean, some of these schemes, a lot of first home buyers are not really even eligible for it because the property markets increase significantly in those, uh, you know, capital cities and things like that. So mm. super challenging being a, a first home buyer, but by God, when you do do it, the steps moving forward to get into property number two and three is way easier than the first one. So just commit and mm. give it a crack. I think, as you say, with some of those incentives that are around at the moment, because they are capped incentives, as you say, the market is moving so so quickly at the moment. And, and again, they're just not keeping up. And so maybe it is then about sitting down with, with your team, get your mortgage broker, maybe your financial planner or, or other people around just to say, right, okay, do we scale back the purchase? And I know often I say to people, look, it's more about potentially getting into the market. So finding somewhere and going, right, okay, it's not going to, it's not our dream home, but actually we're, we're in and we're able to then start making the repayments and build up some equity and then using that to, to leapfrog into the, um, into the next one. And so it's challenging, as you say, and there's some great incentives out there, but it's just about navigating that. Uh, can I also add to that, like a lot of first home buyers uh, under the impression that they need to purchase a property and that needs to be a property that they live in. That great Australian dream of owning that property and living in it is kind of gone, I think, for the young people. So if you're happy to rent, which is another concept or a paradigm shift that people may need to kind of believe in, and I'm one of them myself, I, I reside in Byron Bay. There is no way I'm going to live, uh, own a property in Byron Bay because the property market is just ridiculous here. I'm happy to rent here, but if I've got any additional capital or I'm, I'm going to borrow money, what I would do is purchase something as an investment property and use a renter to pay down my mortgage and minimise my monthly mortgage repayments. And I'm still in the property market, but I'm in an area that I can afford uh, and there's no change to my lifestyle and I can still live and do some of the things uh, and just kind of live, live my life living in the area that I want to live in. So 
there are ways that you can kind of change the mindset towards purchasing property. Uh, and I have seen a significant shift in some clients uh, just by having that conversation and just saying, hey, maybe you want to be a rent investor just for the interim and build some uh, equity that way. Uh, and then f- once you've kind of built the equity up, then you might cash out and use that uh, additional funding to get into the market for you know, owner-occupied property. That's great advice. I mean, I've been working with a, a number of clients recently, and again, these are people at all um, ages. Some who are getting uh, into their sort of forties uh, to fifties, and they're doing that. They've been been rent vesting, or they've they've basically been focusing on other strategies. But the game plan is then to say, right, well, once you actually get to retirement, you get access to your super. Now let's actually reframe and and buy a house that you can then live in. And your strategy is then like, okay, right, you've got you've got housing secured for retirement, but then you've got these other strategies that can come in, like Centrelink or or otherwise. So I think that's so true. Just play your own game. Don't get caught up in the potential noise that's in the market at the moment. And again, we often, I know, compare ourselves to others and do that sort of comparison. Oh, my friends are doing it or we need to be doing it as well. So we do like to keep these episodes short and sweet. So um, look, any final thoughts, any um, other resources that you'd uh, you'd throw out there for people? Uh, in terms of final thoughts, uh, you know, if you want to connect or have a conversation with me, I'm always open to and I'm sure uh, the show notes will have all, all my tags and feeds and things like that. I think with property, you just need to build a team. I come from a background of professional sport uh, and even though I was the individual athlete running on the track and, and competing on the day, I had a team of people behind me to get me onto the start line. It's the same with, you know, your finances. You need a team of people behind you to make sure you you get to the start line or you're competing at the best that you can potentially be. You know, get a good, an amazing financial planner. Get a, an amazing an, an accountant. You know, get a mortgage broker to, to look after your mortgages. You know, they're just three basic people that you need in your team. Uh, and then you can kind of add to it as, you're, as it kind of gets complex and things like that. So... From there, uh, then you once you've got your team and your teams uh, bouncing off each other and supporting each other, you you can kind of pro- uh, progress and go forward in your finances. Great advice and tips there, Sean. And you're still, uh, from what I recall, doing some really cool uh, Facebook and uh, other video stuff these days. I, I don't have uh, the the dashing good looks for video anymore, but um, uh, yeah, you're still doing stuff on online with uh, with those resources. Yeah, I'm trying to be uh, as resourceful and putting a lot more content on social media as possible. Snippets on Instagram when I can. Obviously, when, when I get bogged down and I get caught up in uh, the business side of things, I do slow down a little bit. But yeah, for me, for first home buyers is about education and making sure that they get the right information. Uh, and I love passing on that information. I love coaching people through the whole process uh, just because I know what it feels like to have a coach in, or a, a, a coach in your corner. And that's the way that I look at all my clients, you know. Any client that comes to me, I'm just coaching you through the whole process, making sure that you understand what to do uh, and when to do it uh, and making sure that you feel comfortable throughout the whole process. Fantastic, Sean. Appreciate it. And I'll put all your contact details in the show notes as well. So look, appreciate your time and some great insights there. So I hope you've got some uh, great kernels there in regards to the the current mortgage market. If you are a first home buyer, what you can be thinking about to to get your house in order, so to speak, to actually buy that first house and some of those hurdles that might uh, actually come up that um, you can potentially navigate as well. And again, uh, we've probably said it before on the podcast to get advice, get advice, get advice, um, but just build your team around 
around you. Actually make sure that you've got the right people in your corner to, to help you with the journey because again, we're born into this financial system. It is sometimes hard to navigate, but um, there's definitely resources and people out there to, to help you go on that journey. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.